Are you in need of a pace clock? Looking to finally upgrade those ancient analog clocks? The Swim Nerd Pace Clock is the most innovative digital pace clock. It connects to your Swim Nerd mobile app, allowing you to program any set your heart desires. Except for 100 100s while listening to Nickelback. You can't program that. That that is not allowed. If you haven't seen the Swim Nerd Pace Clock yet, go to swimpractice.com to check it out. All right, we're going to do it in a minute here, Freddie. Freddie Busquet, welcome to the podcast, man. Thank you, Brett. How are you, my friend? I'm good. I'm good myself. Thank you. Cheers, man. I miss you. I really do. Like, uh, there's well, people that come into your life and then they kind of go and, you know, you go your separate ways and do certain things. But every now and then I see a picture or I just have a thought or something reminds me of you and I just miss you, man. I miss you too. I mean, we've been friends before you start coaching me and, and swimming with you. We, we were friends before and we stayed friends. So, and it's been quite some years since we've seen each other. Yeah, yeah. So everything is good? Yeah, everything is great. Living, living a good life in, in Marseille, in the south of France. So, well, working now, which sucks. Swimmers, keep on swimming as long as you can. <laughs> <laughs> But no, everything is good. Everything is good. Everyone is healthy, uh, despite everything that has been going on right now. But um, we're good. We're good. Well, listen, man, um, there's so many things that you and I could talk about. I mean, we could talk for, <laughs> for days just on one topic, possibly. But um, there's a couple of things that I really want to touch on because I, ha I have an audience now and they're very interested in certain things. Um, and you're a very unique individual. You, you know, you did... You did one thing twice that nobody's ever done before, and that is you're the first man to break 19 seconds in the 50-yard freestyle, and then you're the first man to break 21 seconds in the 50-long-course freestyle. Um, incredible, and, I, and I'm fascinated by this, and my audience is fascinated by this too. I want to kind of dive into this, uh, this particular topic of being the first to, to do something that no one's ever done before. It's, it's quite remarkable, right? Well, I mean, remarkable, I don't know, because nowadays, I mean, when you see uh, those guys going 17. Yeah, 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 but listen, no, listen, it's not about, it's not about nowadays. It's about being the first to do something. That, wow. and, and I'm not talking about just Fred Busquet. I'm talking about how do you, how do you do that? How do you become the first person to do something? Wow. You don't become, you, you just, you open the door. I, I like to open doors, you know, and uh, uh, breaking barriers had me much more motivating than, than winning. And obviously, if you do one, you may get the other one as well. But uh, let's, let's put the point where the year of the 50 yard. Uh, yeah, being, let's go back to that. Yeah. Uh, we talked about it, about, you know, getting closer to 19 and getting under 19. And that had been the focus for me all year. It was Who was your coach at the time? Durden. The Dave Durden and, and then uh, obviously um, Dave Marsh was David the Marsh, coach. David yeah. Marsh and Dave Durden were, were our coach. Mm -hmm. and, um, but all we, we talked about was breaking the 19-second barrier. Uh, it, it was time to be done. And, uh, man, I mean, that, that was my, uh, my set of mind every day, going in and out of practice, just thinking about breaking that 19 second barrier. You know, like those, uh, those track and field athletes, when they, they break that 10 second barrier in a hundred track, hundred mm -hmm. flight, 
Mm. Well, I wanted to feel that way as well. And it was a year that um, I was also working with Lionel Moro. And uh, Lionel was uh, taking care of some of the, the few uh, track and field athletes in Auburn. Uh, and he got me to work with them on some uh, track exercises, to work on my start, to improve my, uh, my legs' explosivity and uh, my, my strength in my legs. Mm. And um, I believe that helped me a lot, especially getting in and out of the turn, which uh, to me in that race was the, the, the key point. So who, who, did, who did you first have the conversation with possibly? Was it Durden? Was Durden the first person that you sat down with maybe? Or was it Dave Marshall? No, it was David Marshall. It was David who uh, he brained that idea. He, put that, he took the, the idea and put it in my brain. You know, David is a, I mean, you know him. He's a, he's a genius in his, uh, in his own way. And uh, he's, a, he's a dreamer. And uh, he made me believe in dreams. He made me dream again of realizing crazy things. And uh, I would have never thought about doing it on my own uh, if he hadn't put that idea in my brain that, okay, there is an inch here, you, you, it's possible, you can do it. You can be the one who does it the first. Now, did, what was your best time before this moment? Well, well if I remember that, uh, it was 1928, I believe. Oh, good. So at that stage, you were still slower than me. Good. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. I, I had to check that. But, but I think it was 1902, okay. 1928, probably from uh, uh, maybe from uh, NCAs two years before in, uh, in Austin, Texas. Okay. Okay. So two years before. So you get to 192, but it takes you another two years to get to this point where the possibility. So why, why well, two years? No. Well, what happened is uh, 2003 were my first uh, NCAs uh, um, and I won the 15 Austin, going a slow 192 or maybe even a 193. It was a slow year. Uh -huh. um, uh, the next year, we were still doing NCAs in the Olympic year in the 25-meter pool. Oh, yes, that's right. And, and that's when I, I broke the world record in the 53 style. That's right. 21-1. Yep. And converted. At that time, you had those, those websites where you could convert your time from yards to meter and, 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 and reverse that. So converted 2110 uh, into yards was a short, like a very low 19 a high 18 and um, that's when we, uh, we start talking about it. So did you, at that point, did you have uh, it written up somewhere? Was it a goal that was in your face? Was it no. just a, a it's, thought? It's probably one of the first time in my life that I went to a meet with not a, a, no specific time in my head that I wanted to reach, just, just going under 19. Okay. Just okay. going under 19 and, uh, and by doing it on the first day, and the first morning, the first, the first hit was, um, it, was it was an explosion of, of joy, but it was a, a, a relief. It made me, um, well, I had achieved my, my main goal and now I could just swim and be relaxed about it. Just focus on the win, focus on bringing points to my team and, uh, and that was it. So did you do it from lane eight? Now, the lane eight was the, the world record in the oh, 53, uh, the, okay. the previous year. Oh, the previous year. No, right. I, I did it in the heat. Uh, no, I, was, I think it was in lane five or lane four. Uh -huh. um, I, had, I think Ryan Wokomoka was uh, with me in my heat. 
Oh, so you had your teammates next to you. So you had a yeah, level of comfort yeah. at least. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did but you know I, in warm-up uh, at, at the stage, when did you know it was going to happen? I had no idea. I had really? no idea. And actually, when I hit the wall, uh, because that pool in Minneapolis is so big, uh, and actually I had some water in my goggles, so my, one of my contacts had like flannel. And I couldn't see the correct time. I couldn't see if it was an 18 or a 19 seven. But by hearing the crowd and my teammate jumping on deck, I realized it was, a, it was an 18. But I didn't actually really see it until later on paper. So it didn't feel like an 18? It didn't feel special? It felt, it felt good. It felt fast. But uh, at the same time, it felt rush. You know what I mean? Like just you want to force it, just go for it. And you just turn your arms all around and you don't actually, um, I don't actually remember much of that, uh, that swim mm. uh, besides the turn. I know I hit the turn, I hit the wall and it, it, I bounced back for me. It felt like I was on a trampoline or something. Wow. I actually almost gained, gained speed. I think my speed were an, a 9.2 and a 9.4 in, in that race. I was very slow first 25. It was a very slow first 25. Oh, um, did you understand the impact it had at the time? Uh, not really until later on that everyone, everybody kept talking about it. I knew the impact he had on my team. I knew the impact that that swim was, okay, guys, we, we won in CAs in 2003. We won in 2004. And we're going to win again this year. And no matter what, nothing is going to stop us. No, no Texas, no Florida, no California, nothing. We are here to get the title. And why, that, why were you so passionate about that? Like, well, well, you're a Frenchman. Why, what does it matter if you win a title in America? Uh, why were you so passionate about this? I love the, the atmosphere to be in the team. I love swimming for the teams, swimming for people. And that's, that's also why I love the relays so much. And uh, it actually, he held me back a little bit, just loving those races as a team uh, compared to my uh, individual races. I mean, you, you know what happened to me in 2003. Uh, I, I split a 47 flat in, uh, in 103 in a relay in Barcelona. And then two days later, uh, swimming on my own, I won a 49.2, you know? But swimming for people, swimming for my teammates, swimming for people I love, just, make me unbeatable. Yeah, that's true. Or actually yeah. make me believe I was unbeatable. Yeah, yes. You did prefer swimming for someone, something, yeah. some other things. You didn't enjoy... Uh, it wasn't a pleasure to do it for Fred Brisquet. It was a much more it, of a pleasure to do it yeah, for Yeah, it took, it took me a long time. It took me a long time to uh, accept that it was okay to do it for me. It took me a while. And I, it actually, it was um, a few years after I, I moved back to France. Uh, so around 2013, 2014, that um, I worked a lot on, my, on myself and, uh, and say, okay, you know what? I mean, if you keep on doing that today, it's for something for, for, for a reason. The reason is you, you want it, you love it, and you do it for you. Yeah. So but by, by the end of my career, yes, I was more of an individual swimmer than a, a relay swimmer, which is also the reason why I didn't go for a spot in a relay in, uh, in Rio. Yeah. Besides the fact that I could probably not 
make it in a relay, but I didn't even try. Yeah. Well, there's a, there's some, the next barrier I certainly want to talk about, it was, was later in, in 2009, but I do want to talk about 2008 a little bit. Um, I had Jason Lezak on the show yeah. yesterday and I closed my computer now. Well, listen, we, you know, you have a perspective on this. I have a perspective on this, you know, as your coach at the time, uh, 2008, uh, a lot is, a lot is said about the, the French and the Americans in, in this relay in 2008 and, um, and, and what Jason ended up doing and how he did it. And I, I actually gave him a little bit of a different perspective yesterday. And so I kind of want to hear your perspective on this. First of all, just tell us um, what the plan was before the plan changed. <laughs> wow. Uh, we, we have, first I have to say that we had built that relay all the way since 2003. So we had worked on that relay for five long years, just putting together, putting a, a, uh, aside all the competitiveness that we could have along with Fabien Gillot, Amory Lebeau, or Alain Bernard. And we, we wanted to build a team going into those Olympics and be the best we could be, but be the best at the Olympics. And that was including uh, beating the Americans. Uh, there was a lot of uh, talk around us, uh, this relay, uh, the day before, the previous day. Um, and a lot of journalists, uh, media, they took their, this, this story and they made, them, made it their own story. Uh, what I want to say is that um, Alan Bernard, for instance, and you know Alan, and I, I know him very well. He's a, he's a humble guy. He's not shy, but he's, uh, he's quiet. He would not trash talk, and especially about the Americans, knowing that Phelps and Lizak are in this relay. So um, it was just a buildup from the media that, okay, the branches are coming and then they're gonna crush the, the Americans. No way, we, we didn't say that. We didn't, we thought it, we, we think that, we thought that we could beat them, but not for sure. I mean, we, we've seen many races where, you know, the Americans, went from the behind and, and get the top of the podium again. So uh, we wanted to stay focused on our, on, on our own thing. Uh, what happened in that change that we had a plan. Okay, the plan was uh, we knew the order of that relay was uh, probably the most important um, thing to take care of. Take yeah. care of. Um, and you did this weeks before. Oh yeah, we we had planets. We had work on relay start yes. uh, in in uh, the last the last camp. So yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. four or five weeks before and the order, uh, the original agreed. the original order that you had planned and worked on yeah. was what we, we had agreed on not letting uh, on on letting Amoy goes first. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, that for two reasons. First, um, his own order where killers at that time and uh, we knew that just going in he's he wasn't swimming the 103 individually so uh, he would have um, you know the will to to go fast and to prove to everyone and probably him that he had his spot in the 103 yeah. so we knew that he he was gonna go great in, uh, in going first um, and also the second reason is, is he's really not athletic and uh, he couldn't hit a real start correctly. Mm-hmm. 
Sure. Um, he couldn't do the takeoff correctly and he would be either too slow or he would jump in before. So he would, uh, it was making us very nervous. Um, secondly, we decided that we wanted Alain to go second. Uh, and when I say, when I say we, we is the, the swimmers, the six swimmers, including the premium swimmers, okay, mm. uh, that we all talked about it. And we all share opinions, we all share our own opinions, and we came to an agreement. And the agreement was this, Anna would go second. Um, the first reason, Anna coming into this Olympics uh, was the world record holder in the 50 and 100 free. Yeah. Um, we've seen many, many times before that that 100 free uh, world record is oftenly broken and uh, going leading those relays. Mm -hmm. uh, specifically, specifically, remember Michael Klim going 48-17 in Sydney. Yeah. And I, I, I see Alex, Alexander Popov at that time. He was right next to us um, in the lane right next to us, just sitting back down on his chair and just putting his hand, his head between his hand. And the, this race was lost for him at that time. Yeah. So I didn't want uh, Alain to, to see it you know, at least in life. And plus, Alain had a very good technique. He had a very clean technique, very posy, like high elbows, you know, yes. like very clean. And going into in second spot in a relay, the water is not moving uh, too much at that time. So he could set up his, his stroke correctly. Um, that was the point. And then uh, Fabien was going, going to go third, uh, mainly because Fabien has been going third in that relay for as long as he had been in uh, the French team, so five years. Um, and Fabien and I had a different stroke, but we couldn't swim in any kind of water. We had this kind of stroke where we just attacked the water, and uh, we knew that if he was going to be moving, it would be better for Fabien and I to be at the end than Amory and Anna. And, um, and then lastly, we decided to put, to put me fourth just because I had the most experience of uh, all three, all four of us. Yeah, and um, and I knew how to anchor relays. That's it. So you had a very logical plan. Yeah, to us it was logical. When we presented it to the coach and uh, the national uh, head coach, uh, it was clear to them that we had thought truly about it, and then um, they accepted it. Not not questioning any uh, of the uh, uh, the decisions we had taken. So then we fast forward and, and I'm coaching the Brazilian team. I'm with Cesar Cielo and you're uh, one of my athletes, but you're on the French team. So you have to abide by the French rules and, and what's happening. And, and I was kind of at a distance. So I, I had to kind of keep my ground a little bit. You're, but uh, but uh, my recollection of what happened is I come to the pool in the morning, which is when the finals were on. Mm -hmm. and somebody tells me that Fred wants to speak to me immediately. And that's, mm -hmm. that's my recollection. Um, mm -hmm. from, from that moment on, uh, all hell breaks loose and, and, and you and I end up uh, meeting and having a conversation. Just talk me through that. Well, what happened is that, okay, the prelims, uh, the night before went great. Uh, Fabian and I just, uh, had great swims and, uh, the two of the guy, uh, Greg and Boris had good swims as well, but we did have one person going 49.9 in a relay. So we were very confident in the way, in the fact that losing that guy and putting Alain and Amory in that relay was 
gonna give us the best chances to to beat everyone mm. and be unbeatable. Yeah. Uh, and we were so uh, relaxed about it is that that night and even in the morning at breakfast or at no point, no time, we, we talked about the order again with the coaches because for us, it was uh, set in the ground, you know, it's like it was graved in, in, on the rock. So um, we arrived at the pool and started warming up on our, on our own, just doing some drowning stuff. And um, I remember Anna uh, went to talk to his coach. Uh, and then he comes back a few minutes later and he's like, hey guys, the order has been changed. Uh, they decided to put me last and there is nothing we can do about it because they already took the, the paper to the calling room. <laughs> and um, maybe for a minute, it took all of us out of the race, out of what we were there for and just got us so angry and upset at the same time towards our federation, towards the, the, the staff that we started losing it. You know, you, we already started losing that race at that time. Mm -hmm. uh, obviously, uh, we got our brain back and then we, we decided to, okay, no matter what, uh, we're still gonna go out there and give our best and everything. And, and, and that's when I, I, I asked to talk to you because you know how emotional I can get you know, I, I, I work with my emotions. I, I swim fast also because of my emotions. And I just wanted to keep them in, you know, use those emotions to make me swim faster. Uh, use yeah. that angerness I had to, uh, to go faster. Well, I think we got there. I'm not sure if that was the, from my recollection, that's not how the conversation started. The conversation started from my recollection is the, the you were very emotional and, and the first thing you said to me was i'm not swimming well uh, i i just wanted to push the guy yeah. that's all i wanted to at that time yeah yeah and, and i and look i completely agreed i wanted to punch the guy too i wasn't part of the federation but i'm like how could you do this now because i knew the work that you guys had put into this i knew the plan i knew the preparation uh, i knew the acceptance everybody was happy everybody was ready and you guys were honestly ready to win that gold medal and i felt like at that time it was just sabotage and the reason they were giving you for the change obviously is because they were so confident and Confidence of friend, a nice word. I think uh, arrogant could be a, a better word for it. The, they were so confident or arrogant. They thought they were going to win this gold medal that they wanted Alan as the world record holder to be the face of the French team and French swimming, right? It makes sense. I mean, when you think about it, Alain was the face of the, the French team at that time. And uh, for them to think this way makes sense. But... Uh, then you're not in the sport. You're not playing sport. You're just uh, focusing on communication and marketing, and you're in the wrong activity, man. You know. Mm, mm. So, but uh, yeah, that's uh, that was the for us. That was the understanding we we had. Uh, the explanation for for the change of the relay was that they wanted to have Alain in the in the, in the spotlight, which was okay at, at the end. We didn't care about who was going to be in the spotlight. We just sure. wanted to win. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it had a, a massive effect on, on the emotional state of the relay at that point. It, it did, but I, um, 
But then afterward, uh, once the race started and, and how the race went, I can tell that he had no impact on our individual races. Uh, we were able to focus back and we were able to put that aside and then uh, put, a, put on a great performance, I think, I believe. It was, a, it was a great team performance. Yeah, it was. And that's something to be extremely proud of, the way that you handled it, uh, for sure. I, I mean, you had a matter of moments to come to terms with this, you know, in the most stressful environment there is at the Olympic Games, in the final, um, against the Americans. A lot, there's a lot going on. So to, to throw this at you is, is a huge uh, curveball. But you did handle it well. You did come around during our conversation you, you said to me you wanted to prove that you were the fastest person uh, in France, you know, and, and that's what I wanted you to do. It's not, it wasn't against your teammates. It was just you had a point to prove, and, and you always performed better when you had a point to prove. You know, it was just part of who you were as a person. You know, if there was a point to prove, and you did. You went out and s- split the fastest split. You, you had an incredible swim, and this is kind of what I talked to Jason about. I said – my athlete was third on the French team and he got them into the lead, um, which I was extremely proud of. I was so proud to be your coach at that point in time, even though I could feel at the end of it, I could feel your devastation. I I didn't necessarily feel the same way myself, but I know that you felt that way. But, um, you know, once you, once you hit that wall and you gave, you know, Alain the lead, did you think it was going to unfold the way it did? No. Yeah, no. I, 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 I touch the wall and uh, I look at the board and we have about eight tenths of a second lead ahead of Jason. And it's Alain. And at that time, I'm not thinking about, okay, it's Alain's first Olympic Games. It's Alain's first race at the Olympics. Uh, <clears throat> and he, to me, there is no way we were, gonna lo- we were going to lose this race. Uh, we knew Alan was in great shape. You, we have seen him swimming the, the days before. I had seen him his, uh, do his uh, stinger. He had an amazing stinger three days before. And, then, and he looked good in the water. Mm. And then I saw, I saw him flip at the 50. And then I'm trying to, <laughs> I'm trying to make, make up the numbers and see how, how he split in the first 50. And... And I think I was, uh, it was like, okay, did he just go 21.8 or 21.9 to his feet? And that's like what kids do, you know? And like uh, you, those kids, when they do a relay for the first time, they just go out all out and then they just can handle it on the way back. I'm like, okay, no, Alan, please don't do that. Just save some for the end. And then, uh, and then on, on the way back, I see him slide, slowly but surely, like, swimming towards the, the lane, like going, st- instead of staying in the middle of his own lane, just going slightly towards the, the lane where Jason was, uh, was swimming. And, and Jason was smart enough and experienced enough to be like, okay, you know what? You're giving me, you're giving me your wave. I'm going to take it, man. I'm going to take it, I'm going to ride it, and I'm going to pass you. That's what happened. And uh, I can't, you know, I can't be... Uh, mad at Anna for doing that because we get to put that the fact that he was his first Olympic Games. Yeah. You don't put a guy all we could order that he could be uh, in that position for his first Olympic Games. That's that's it. Yeah. No. 
he can be responsible for it. The only thing I can be upset uh, about uh, with him is that at the end, when he touched the wall, instead of keeping, keeping his head down and, um, and close to his shoulder, he started opening up to look at the wall before his hand has touched the wall. Yeah. And, uh, and that's, that's another like rookie mistake, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Rookie mistakes. Exactly. Um, was, was, uh, how, how was his response? How did he oh my God. feel towards you guys? He was, he was devastated. Uh, he even started crying on deck. Uh, it was all his fault. To him, it was all his fault. And it's like, it wasn't that we had earned the silver medal. We had lost the gold medal. And at some point, I had to like, grab those guys and tell them, okay, you, you know what we, you know, you realize what we just did here? We, we just, just, we're French. We're the Frenchies. Where was the last time the, uh, the, the French Olympic team had like a medal at the Olympics in swimming? When was the last time? Never. It had never happened. And, and we are here and we are battling with the US. We're battling with the best US national team it has been. And we just lost to them. But it's okay. We, we still got like the silver medal. So just be proud of it. And I also told them, look at the stands and, and smile to our teammates because it's day one of the Olympic Games. And we have big swims to, uh, to come and we cannot show them that we are down after the first race. And uh, we had like a lot of other swimmers uh, going in this Olympics with a chance of getting medals. And uh, we don't, didn't want to let them down after that race. Well, that's a great perspective, man. And I'm sure that you, by saying that as a leader, had an ultimate impact on the man that ended up going on to win the gold medal in the 100 freestyle, which was Alan Bernard. The only way he does that is if you pick him up at that point in time. So you actually had an impact on his future gold medal as well. We, we all had, yeah. We were all like, we were teammates. That's what teammates do. Yeah. They hate each other. Good for you. Great lesson there, man. Um, appreciate you sharing that. Now, 2009, let's talk about that because you have uh, – another interesting year you know uh it's the year after the olympics and you didn't uh you didn't end up on the podium you know in the 100 freestyle at the olympics in 08 or the 50 freestyle um but the next year you know you have an incredible year and so let's kind of dig into that a little bit um the the world championships came before the world record right no the world record came before the world championship yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Of course, exactly. absolutely. Well, so let's talk about this. Let's talk about the, the world record. Because well, I, ha I have a story. You have a story. <laughs> <laughs> the world record happened at Nationals. Yes. Uh, and um, Nationals were the setup for qualifying for world champs. Yes. But the way the qualification were going is that um, whoever had like a medal at the Olympics in one event was already pre-qualified. Which meant for me that in the 100 free, Alain was already qualified. So there, there was only one spot left. Mm. And in the 50 free, Amory was uh, already qualified because he finished second in the Olympics behind mm. Caesar. Yeah. And uh, so Amory was also qualified, uh, which meant I only had one spot for the 50 and the 100 free. Uh, so I knew that nationals, I had to be 100% uh, ready. And uh, I couldn't get second or third, and I uh, did not get a chance to be in that team. 
So I um, came to the qualifications with you in Montpellier. Uh, I left. The, I was the head coach at, at Auburn uh, at the time, I think, or, or just very yeah, close it to was. it. Um, it was right after NCAAs. Yeah, right after NCAAs. We just we just won NCAAs uh, as yeah. a team. So yeah. uh, incredible result there as well. But so I, I come to to France with you and. I don't know which podcast I told the story on, but I did mention the story somewhere about the whole situation. And and I have a perspective on it and you have a perspective on it. But for me, um, I can remember an incident we had in during warm up for the 50 freestyle. I'm not sure if you can remember it the way I can remember it, but there was an incident. Do you remember this at all? The day of the 50. Yes. The day of the 50 so um what did you do to me again <laughs> well I, it goes c kind of back towards you know you you needed to feel like you were swimming for somebody or something mm -hmm. and i think if there were times where you felt a little isolated or you didn't have a reason in your own mind whatever those reasons were in my mind we had reasons but in your mind you needed specific reasons to attach to of like why am i here why am i doing this um and I don't think necessarily the world record was something that we had really planned on. You know, I'm sure we had talked about it, but it wasn't like we're going there to break the world record and that, or, or, or break uh, a barrier, let's say. We're going there to break 21 seconds. You know, it wasn't necessarily about that. It was about obviously qualifying for the world championships. Yeah. So during warm-up, I remember you were having some type of, mental breakdown you know nothing was going right for you you were you were yeah. feeling you were feeling terrible in your mind you were feeling terrible when i was watching you visually what i was seeing you look beautiful i mean i was seeing perfection i was seeing things that were finally coming together you know when you go throughout a preparation and then you get to the end of the preparation and then you warm up for that last piece you know that last race it's like ah oh, there it is finally i was seeing that i was like wow Fred's ready, but in your mind, it was almost like the opposite. Uh, and I don't, I'm not sure exactly what it was. Was it, was it pressure because you, you did feel like you, you only had one spot or you didn't have necessarily something to swim for. I'm not sure how you manifested pressure at times, but you were definitely feeling pressure of some sort. Do you remember this? What I remember is that I was also changing a few things in my uh, warm up, and I was, I wasn't doing the, uh, the, the, the routine I had, uh, the, the, I had been used to do. And uh, actually, because this year we had, we had put on a lot of work uh, towards the 100 as well. Mm -hmm. and, um, and the year before, we had uh, worked on, uh, on the 100 butterfly as well. So I had a lot of um, resistance in me. So we, I had changed my warm-up a little bit and working on my stroke to do a few 50s with a, a stroke count and um, increasing my speed, but lowering the, the, uh, the strokes as well. Um, and that's, well, that was not going right at that time. That mm. was not okay. going the way I wanted it to go. Exactly. Sure. sure. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. All right. I was getting frustrated by not being able to put in place, put in the, yeah, put in together the, the stroke I wanted to use for that, that race. 
Mm, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. You, you definitely were a perfectionist in that sense. You wanted things to be perfect, you know, it's like, yeah. and you definitely held yourself to that standard. But I, I distinctly remember getting very upset. Like I couldn't believe in my mind, you were upset because you weren't feeling good or things weren't going well, you know, as a perfectionist, I was upset because I left the team. I just, you know, and so it was like, you got, this, you got mad. You, you, I got you mad. were not upset. You got mad. At me. I got mad. Yeah, I got mad. I really did. I think I, I honestly, I think I told you to shut the fuck up. Honestly, I think that's what I said. <laughs> so I got mad and, uh, and I walked away from warm up. I was like, you know what? You're, you're on your own. You got to do it yourself. You know, like if you, you, you don't have it, then you don't have it. You know, that's yeah, up yeah. to you. But I thought you had it, you know, in my mind you have it, but in your mind you didn't have it. So it was like, all right, we don't, we're not going to meet here. You go and figure it out then. So I got really pissed off and to the point where I wanted to leave, you know, almost it was like, damn it, I want to leave. So I remember, you know, you, you walking down for the 53 and it was, a, it was a tight pool deck. So all the crowd moved up front and I remember standing behind because I didn't want to see the race. It was like, you know what? If he doesn't have it, then forget it then. If, if, if mentally, physically he has it, but if he doesn't want to show up mentally, then it's on him. So I remember kind of like standing back and people were like, come up here, come up here, Brett. I'm like, no, no fuck, I don't want to watch this race, you know, forget it. <laughs> and then, um, you know, then the gun went off and I remember kind of standing up on my, my tiptoes to kind of just see what was the start like, you know? And I remember when I looked up, I remember I saw you hit the first cycle. I was like, oh, Fred is on. Did you know at that point that? I had a, yeah, I had, a, I had a good breakout after that. <laughs> The end of water. Cool. I had a good breakout. And then uh, I do remember that race. Uh, it, I mean, I had Alan Bernard next to me and Amory Lobo as well. Uh, those guys had medals in the Olympics the year before. And then I remember hitting my start pretty good. Uh, I had a good break, a clean breakout. Mm. And then I knew that my strength in the 50 was the second 25. And then when I, I saw that 25 meter lane, I just wanted to just accelerate to the wall and it happened. And I was able to detach myself from the other swimmers and it felt amazing. Yeah, amazing. It, it looked amazing. And part of your technique, talk me through your, your technique. When you're on like that, what are you yeah. trying to achieve in your technique? Uh, my technique is, uh, is that I want to stay high, as high as I can be above the water and then just use my arms as like my... My technique was the straight arms. So what I wanted to go is like above my, my stroke is kind of having a trouble to explain. So my, you want to sit really high in the water. Really high. I also have like my legs down a little bit to be, have my, my, um, my chest and my hips like as high as I can. Mm. And then kind of swimming down, down here. You know mm. what I mean? Like swimming like just going going down it feels like downhill but you're actually on top of the water swimming yeah. forward yeah and then in terms of the flow you know i talked to um yannick about this this metronome kind of thing you know uh i can't mm. say it with the with the french accent but uh you know almost like a tick 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 tick, yeah. tick. that's kind of like how your stroke was it was very rhythmical it was very uh on tempo you know was that important to you uh it became important to me the, the, the year after. Um, it, we, uh, we worked on it. We work on stroke counts, like efficiency, mm. a lot this year, in 2009. But 2009 was more about 
having as much power as I could in the water. Yeah. We, we had work on strength. We had work in the in weight room uh, big time this year as well. We had gained a lot of power um, and strength. And um, it was a matter of just being able to um, transfer it in the water. Um, but the year after, in 2010, yes, I do remember hitting the tempo, working mm -hmm. on the tempo a lot and working on my stroke count as well. I remember also like the swimming hits of finals sometimes in different meets during the season. And as I am swimming the final, I'm counting my strokes to see if I'm efficient or not at the time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We, we, did, we did do that. That was important for your uh, balance and your rhythm, you know, to, to, to get, a, get an account for you. That was really important. Uh, all right, let me ask you a personal question. Then. What, what did you like working with me? What did you like about working with me? What I like is that, well, I like working with my friends. It gives me comfort. Um, it takes away the questioning of uh, um, trusting or not trusting, you know? I knew that no matter what you were gonna tell me, I knew that it was for my best. And um, I had accepted everything from you. You could have told me to do anything, I would have done it because I knew you had my best interest in your mind. Uh, and that to me is priceless. You know, when you have the capacity to work with someone that, that you can trust and you can sleep on whatever he tells you, he told, he told you, and uh, you don't have to question if, if it's okay or not, it's great. Give me relief, comfort. Well, I appreciate you saying that. That means a lot. And, um, yeah, I, I tried to do that for you for sure. I knew that meant something to you. Um, but I'm also uh, at the point where I'm, or I'm okay hearing the other side too. So what did, what did you hate about, or what did you dislike about working with me? Um, it was towards the end, Brett, when, uh, when Laura moved to over and that she started swimming again after giving birth to her, to her daughter, that, that we took distance, you and me at that time, because she came back in the water and she asked to swim with you. And um, it was a good, it was a great challenge. I mean, she had stopped swimming in, uh, in 2008 after Beijing. Um, and it was 2011 and she wanted to make the team for the Olympics. And then uh, that she started, you started working with her, you and Richard Long started working with her. And uh, I, I pretty much, 80% of the conversation we, we had, you and me, were about law. It wasn't about us anymore. It wasn't about me anymore. It was about law. Just, is she gonna be okay? Is she really uh, in the mind to make it back? Or is she just doing it to just um, spend time with you? You know, you were asking me those questions. You are questioning all the time. Or can you tell her to do that? Or can you, mm. so at that point, you know, you just get tired of it and you're like, well, I don't have an interest in my coach anymore uh, as an athlete. I'm just uh, a consultant for my girlfriend. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, actually, now that you remind me of that, I, I do remember that. It, it was a very difficult period for me. I didn't, I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to coach Laura Manadou, you know, with, yeah. with the, the history of knowing who she was and where she came from. I wasn't necessarily at first comfortable with this, um, you know, but I, but I did see how once we 
all kind of agreed to do it, how it created division, you know, and, um, you know, you, you learn, you live and learn. And that was certainly something that, that I regret, uh, in terms of the way that some of the things were handled for sure. And because ultimately my first love was you, you know, like my, my passion was you and, and, and yeah. the way you did things. So for it, for it to cause a division in, in us, it's not something that makes me feel good either, you know? So I appreciate you saying that. Thank you. Um, one of the other struggles was obviously at the time of you being one of the fastest men on the planet was your training partner was also one of the fastest men on the planet in Caesar Cielo. Um, I distinctly remember a conversation, I'm not sure if it was individually or if it was with the three of us, but I remember there was a point in time in 2009 where I, I knew that we were kind of working against each other and I, and I, and I, I, I recognized it. And can you remember whether it was with all of us or was it just you and me where I said, we need to work together? Um, I think it was the three of us. I okay. think you, you grabbed Caesar and I on deck after yeah. our practice and we, we sat there for, for quite a bit. And, um, and I do remember that, that when you started talking to us about it, that neither Caesar or I uh, agreed with you. Uh, we didn't see it. We were not seeing what you were seeing. You know, to us, things were working fine. We were helping each other to bring the best uh, out of each other during practice. And then uh, to us, it was working well. But you, you, you pointed out that those things and uh, it made us open our eyes about the fact that we were in the, in the process of uh, disturbing, really, uh, our main preparation. Yeah. What I saw at the time as a coach, and maybe, like I said, you know, like you said, maybe you didn't see it the same way, but what I saw is two guys that were at the top of the world that were incredible, that at times were working against each other, you know, or, you know, you'd watch him, he'd watch you. And, and it was, it was, it was, there was conflict, you know, and what I felt like at the time is like, look, you two are so good that if you work against each other, all you're going to do is pull yourself down to the rest of the world and then you'll be in competition with the rest of the world. But if you actually, actually connect and work together, you may create separation between the rest of the world. And what I thought was if you do work together, then all you've got to do is try and beat each other. You don't necessarily have to beat everybody else because then you're fighting for first and second in the world and whatever comes of that will come. Now, it was a very difficult situation for me because I didn't know how to handle it at the time. You know, what I knew is you were incredible. What I knew that Caesar was incredible and I, you were both in my group and I wasn't exactly sure. There was no manual on to say, Hey, you got the two fastest swimmers in the world. This is how you do it. So I was kind of flying at the seat of my pants a little bit. And I think in retrospect, um, what, what may have happened is that, you know, you may have thought that I cared more about Caesar and Caesar, I think definitely thought I cared more about you. I had separate relationships. You know, I, exactly. I, I loved you both in different ways, but I loved you together as well. But certainly as competitors and as individuals, you, you know, you probably thought he likes him more than me or he's doing that because it's going to make him better. You know, there was like this conflict in the head. Did you feel like that was going on? No, no. Um... The, the liking position, never. I, I just thought at some point I would convince myself that you believe in Caesar more than you believe in me. Just mainly because of the age difference. 
Uh, I mean, Cesar and I were what uh, six, seven years. I was seven years older than I am seven years older than Caesar, and he was, you know, Caesar had his entire career ahead of him. So I was like, well, maybe he's right about focusing on him and making things for him. Um, but um, there is no regret to about what we did uh, those few years working all together, and I don't think uh, we cannot call it a success. Many, you know why? Because Caesar and I are friends, you and I are friends, and we can see each other, we can sit at the same table today. So I think, I think that's a success, just there. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree to an extent. I, I have love for both of you to this day. Um, Caesar and I's relationship is a little strained. You know, I, th I think Caesar, in a way, sees it a little bit differently. He actually sees it the opposite way. He, he thinks that I cared for you more than I cared for him. And, you know, it, it was a very difficult situation for me because I saw, I saw extreme talent in both of you. And, yes, there was an age difference. But I, I certainly believe that you were capable of being the best in the world. And, and I certainly believed in Caesar's ability at a young age. He had a, an immense amount of talent. And, and his ability in, in practices, I mean, you saw the things that he could do in practice and you saw his competitiveness, but I saw yours as well. So it was very hard for me to differentiate who was necessarily better on any particular day, especially, you know, you go to a, a world championships and it's like, for me, it was, I was the luckiest coach in the world because it was like, hey, these two great athletes are going to go and fight it out for themselves. Um, and I did think that you had similarities in a way. I didn't feel like I had to have drastically different training plans for either of you, you know? So that was a good thing as well. But, um, but it was hard for me to celebrate success, you know, whether it was Caesar winning or it was you winning. You know, when, when you broke the world record, I was the proudest man on earth. But I know that my pride then taking that back to Caesar had an effect on him, you know, because, yeah. uh, hey, Fred's just broken the world record. As a coach you want to be so proud of that. You want to tell the world like, wow, my, my athlete just broke the world record. And then you go back to this guy who's Olympic champion. And it's almost like you have to deflect that pride. It's like, yeah. I, I don't want to mention that, you know, because it's going to affect his persona as well. It's, it was very, very challenging. It must have been frustrating for you. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was, but I do want you to know that, um, you know, I, this is the way I honestly thought, you know, I'm just going to say it. I don't care. I thought you were the fastest swimmer in the world. I, thought, I think you're the fastest swimmer I've ever seen on top of the water, just in terms of your cleanliness and your ability to, to produce speed and power. I've never seen anybody like you. Anybody. I'm talking about anybody. I thought Caesar's competitiveness and his uh, ability to produce the best out of himself when the spotlight was the greatest, I thought he was better than anybody else. I thought yeah. it was incredible at that, you know? I've, I've never seen a, a better uh, finalist swimmer than mm -hmm. him. Exactly. That's what I mean. And that, that's, what, that's where my true feelings and thoughts were. I thought that Fred is the fastest swimmer I have. I thought Caesar's the best competitor I have. So I don't know who's going to win in this circumstance. When you put them behind the blocks, yeah. either one of them can win. But ultimately what happened was... Um, you know, at the world championships, you go on and Caesar wins the, the gold and you win the silver in the 50. And then 
Caesar breaks the world record in the hundred and, and you get the bronze out of lane eight, which is a, a beautiful swim, by the way. I love watching that from lane eight. Um, you know, you get the bronze in the hundred. And so, you know, for me, I was, I was proud of these results, but I understand for you, you got beaten. And so there's probably that feeling of, of uh, defeat. It was too much frustration accumulated uh, for the, those two years. I'm talking about 2008 as well, just because in 2008, I don't, I don't know if you remember, but we were at trials in, uh, in Dunkirk uh, for the Beijing Olympic Games. And uh, there was a choice to be made. Uh, the, the day of the 53, I was also swimming the 100 butterfly. Yeah. And um, we, we, we took a decision to swim both. Yeah. Uh, because I was <clears throat> feeling great. I had a great meet so far yeah. and I was feeling strong and I was feeling confident. And I went on to swim the 100 fly uh, going 51.5. And at that time, I, said, I think it was top three in the world. Um, and then about 10 minutes later, I remember that because it was only the 200 back woman uh, before the 53. I went on and swam the 53 and ended up being third in the 53 and then therefore missing the the cut for the olympics and uh, and then missing it by uh it uh, is i think it was four three one hundreds yeah. i think alan went 2169 and i went 2172 um that took that that brought a lot of frustration yeah then we come into uh, 2009 and I hit the world record. I beat the world record. And I'm, I'm like, okay, this is me. This is my year. And I'm going to finally reach what I've, what I've made, what I'm made for, you know, what I was, what I'm here for. And, uh, and we get to Rome and um, that day of the 53 was very stressful in a particular way because I was more paying attention to what you and Caesar were doing. I was just being jealous at the moment. That's it. I spent the entire day recessing the fact that I was jealous of Caesar, that he had this, to spend the day with you because you were in the Brazilian national team, and then that you couldn't talk to me. And I was like, that's not fair. You know, we trained together all year long, and I knew that, I knew that it, was, it was going to be like this, and it couldn't be any other way, but I was just being irrational. You know, I was just being a kid. Even though I was 28 years old, I was just being irrational and just like a, uh, just being a dick, <laughs> you know? <laughs> well, listen, I appreciate you saying that. I didn't, I didn't handle it perfectly either. The, the, again, well, like we, we were going through this. We were trying to figure it out as we were doing it, you know? And you, I believe you handled it very professionally with the Brazilian team. And, and you were able to talk to me and find the right word to reassure me about that you were doing what you had to do professionally, but emotionally you were with me. And that, that was, a, that was all I needed. Yeah. Well, uh, thank you. Thank you, man. I appreciate you saying that. And, um, I, I have extreme pride, which is why I've been trying to get you on my podcast for a while. And I know you're a, a very busy man, but, but I love you, man. I love you. I want you to know that, you know, it's, it's, it's hard, you know, you don't want to say that about your athletes, but for me, for me and you, for some reason, it's, it's beyond um, coach athlete. I mean, it's just, I, I consider you a brother. You know, I love you like a brother. And that's the way I feel about it. The connection that we have. 
um, I've always felt very connected to you and the, and your passion. And the, the reason why as well is because what you gave me is you always gave me a hundred percent. Like you gave me complete trust, Brett, I trust you a hundred percent. I will do anything. I will go to war with you. I will do whatever it takes. And, uh, and that's the kind of commitment that a coach truly loves. You know, when you have that type of commitment, um, that that's a bond that will never be broken. So, um, I mean, you, you had given me, I remember, you remember when I came back in Auburn in, uh, in after 2007, it was like fall or seven. And I was asking you to come back. I was asking you to come and train with you. And mm-hmm. Richard Quick was the head coach at that mm-hmm. time. Yeah. And uh, we had that conversation. And I'm, like I, I said, I told you and I told Richard that uh, I was ready to give up everything or do anything to, uh, to be uh, allowed to swim with you and allowed to be swimming with the team and, uh, and get ready for the Olympics. Yeah, I mean, let's be honest. Part of the French culture is, um, you know, at the time, I think you were smoking cigarettes. It was, it's part yeah. of the culture a little bit. And one of the things that Richard uh, said, listen, yeah. Brett, I don't mind him coming back, but he has to come back as a professional. He has to come back 100% committed. So I remember he said, get him on the phone. I want to talk to him. Richard, quick, this is. And, and Richard had a conversation with you. Because I, yeah. to me, it was like, okay, I'd love to coach Fred. But to Richard, it was like, hey, some things need to be checked off be- before that happens. Yeah. And I remember him specifically asking you, will you commit to being a professional athlete? Will you commit to not drinking and not smoking? And that was yeah. one of the specific things yeah. he asked you. The drinking, part, the drinking part was easy. The smoking part on the other side was a, a big give up. <laughs> <laughs> but you did. You gave it up 100%, you know. Um, and then one of the other things he said during that conversation, 2007, he said, I want you to understand two years from now, we're going to swim 20 seconds in the 50 freestyle. And at the time it was like, this guy's crazy. But I remember that that's the way he thought he, he was the guy that put the seed in. It wasn't me. He did the David Marsh thing where he put that seed in to say, you're going to swim 20 seconds in two years from now. Remember? Yeah. I mean, I, I was very nervous when you called me. And he said, hey, I'm in the room with Richard Quick. He wants to talk to you. And I'm putting, I'm putting you in a headphone. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> and he said all those things. And, and I realized the, the opportunity you were giving me. Uh, you know, I had moved back to France and I was doing my own life. And I was, you know, doing my own stuff. And then, uh, which was uh, swimming, partially. And then, and then enjoying the life uh, next to it. But I wanted more, and then you were ready to give it to me. But I had to make some uh, some choices, and you you were very clear and open about it, very honest. And uh, what's the best response to uh, to honesty is to be honest, and uh, and to uh, to trust, and um, just um, just do the job. Well, listen, man. A lot of people, uh, you know, want to be you or they want to be me and i don't think they realize that look what we we just um we throw ourselves out there and and what you do in that situation is you you're you're vulnerable you know when you want to be the best in the world at something you become vulnerable because now you're trying to do something that uh, most humans don't want to do is they want to put themselves out so far out above everybody else that you know, you're going to, you're going to make mistakes as well during that process. 
and we did, you know. Um, and sometimes when I think back of our relationship, I think, wow, um, I wish we didn't do that, you know. But at the same time, we may not have got to where we got if exactly. we didn't do that, you know. No, no. What what did what we did right all the way is that we get, we kept a good communication, and uh, to me, it's one of the key to keep a, a, a relationship healthy. Uh, we talked, we talked, and even when we didn't uh, we didn't have to say nice things to each other, we we kept on talking. Yeah, and, uh, true. That was good. True. Um, listen, man, this has been beautiful. I've, I've appreciated you kind of digging yeah. into some of this stuff a little bit more and your honesty. And um, are you proud of your career? When you look back, are you proud? I am proud now. Yeah, I am. Good. I, I, I take a lot of pride to, to think of myself as the, uh, the only one that has been kind of the world record holder in the 50 yard and the 53 in, in short course meter and long course meter. You know, I'm, Unbelievable. I'm proud of that. I'm proud of that, and I'm proud to uh, that I've been able to go from uh, Sydney in the Olympics to Rio uh, 16 years later. You know, I'm, I'm proud of it. Yeah, you should be, man. Uh, incredible career, one of the most beautiful, if not the most beautiful, freestyle swimmer I've ever seen. Incredible. Um, you know, I think that your stroke and your technique and your flu fluidity should be studied for years to come. The way that you did things. Um, gorgeous and i was just uh, very lucky i was very lucky to be associated with you and and call we myself your lucky. coach so but we, it's not about luck we wanted it so we made it happen you know it's a good time of our life man i appreciate it and uh you had a huge impact on the world of swimming by the the barriers that you broke and the the mental barriers that you broke and that that's where we're at today like people are trying to break 21 seconds again, you know, without the yeah. suits and uh, people hope, are trying to... I hope to... it's going to happen. I hope it's going to happen this year then. What, did you, what do you think of uh, your, your um, you know, your, one of your best friends, you know, uh, Flo Manadu, you know? Uh -huh. What do you think of his chances of, of being the first person to break it? Wow. Uh, I do hope it's him that breaks it first. Uh, I think, I think he's the best at the moment, really. Um, I, I watched him swim last week. He, he was in Marseille last week, so, and, and I came down to the pool just to, to see uh, a few of his strokes. And uh, he's just an animal at the moment. He's, he's got more power than I've seen him with. Um, he's getting better and better in the uh, aquatic part of the swimming, you know? Like, when he came back from... Uh, uh, his retirement, uh, I, I could tell that he had lost his uh, aquacity, like the, the, the capability of being aquatic underwater mainly. Now he's got that fluidity back, his dolphin kicks are back, and he's got so much strength in his legs, in his hands. I mean, he's catching so much water, and, and he's happy. He's, he's, a, he's the happy guy on deck at the moment, you know? Mm. He's the guy laughing. He's, got, he's the guy smiling. He's just uh, floating around, you know? I would say floating around. <laughs> That's his way of being. Mm. And um, he's going to be hard to, uh, to get. Yeah. He's going to be hard to get. I agree, man. I agree. I see it too from a distance. And he's got an incredible coach in uh, James Gibson, you know? Yeah. Um, 
and, and I think just all the pieces are there. And, and he has the talent. At the end of the day, he has the talent. But you put the talent with the mindset and the experience of James, whew, that's, uh, that, that's all there. So I really hope he does it. So, um, what, uh, what is Zach? He's, he's uh, very comfortable with the fact that he's not the one being chased right now. Yeah. And he really likes this position. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Give him more comfort. Well, listen, uh, if anyone can tell him how to break a barrier, it's you. So uh, he's got a good mentor. So listen, um, listen, man, it's great to see you again. I really appreciate the time you take for this. Uh, thank you very much. Thanks for putting that together. Yeah, man. All right. I'll talk to you again. All right. See you. Bye. Bye.